Amen, church family. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And there are cookies up here this morning. One is half eaten. Is this for me? Or is this a temptation for I'm not, me? I'm not sure. I don't think the half eaten one's as much of a temptation. But thank you, praise team, for setting the table well for us this morning. Uh, we, are, we are now... Moving into day six of creation, if you're joining us for the first time or the first time in a long time, we're working through the book of Genesis right now, at least until the first part of summer. We'll take a break then, but um, we're, we're now hitting day six, and day six is the, oh, it's the crescendo in music, right? It's the moment. So if Beethoven had ever written a symphony about creation... Day six is where the music is going to crest and the most passion of the Lord will be poured into it, okay? Um, so let's, let's look at this together. Uh, Jeff, if you don't care, will you advance the scripture to verse 24? That's where we're going to begin reading today, verse 24. <clears throat> Genesis 1:24. This is the word of God, church. Hear it. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every, every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed and fruits fruit, and you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I am giving every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Amen. May God add blessing to the reading of his holy, inerrant, infallible word. I pray he writes this truth on all of our hearts, because the grass withers. And the flowers fade, say it with me if you know it, church, but the word of our God endures forever. Sir Isaac Newton once said this, he said, If you knew what your thumb consisted of, you could not not believe in your creator. Did you know that your thumb can feel one to the 2,500th of an inch of glass, a difference in that kind of texture of glass. God designed your thumb to be able to tell that. Did you know that when you are 
in week four in your mom's tummy, growing and developing, that you are 10,000 times larger than you were at the moment of conception? Did you know a child in the mother's womb at six weeks, the brain is sending impulses to organs and those organs are responding? Did you know that the human brain is a nightmare for evolutionary theory because of the amount of information that the brain can learn in a very short amount of time? Evolutionary, evolution as a theory has failed to explain the complexities of the human brain. It's the great stumbling block for evolutionary theorists in explaining the multitude of features simultaneously uh, overlaid in biological systems of complexity upon complexity upon complexity, many dependent on one another, and not making sense how one would develop without the other because they are all intertwined and intermittent. The powers efficiency, power, and complexity, complexity defy the explanation of a slow, gradual evolution. Did you know your brain is 20,000 times more complex than the most complex computer that man has built? Millions of body parts moving together in tandem and in harmony. The sixth day, the Bible tells us, is when God does two distinct creative things. Now let me tell you, give me a preview of things to come. So this week, we're gonna, when we, when we approach any text in the Bible, we're asking three questions, right? Well, I've said this many times, but I'm gonna say it again. Three questions we ask is, what does the text say? What does it mean? And how does it apply? So here's what we're gonna get done today. We're gonna get, what does the text say done? We're gonna get most of what does it mean done, and we're going to get a pinch of how does it apply. But next week's going to be part two of day six of creation because I can't get it all in in one sermon. All right, so what does it say and what does it mean is today? How does it apply? It's going to be next week. I'll give you one quick application before you leave today, but there are many, many, many more. All right, so that's a preview of things to come. So let's look at this together, beginning in verse 24 more closely. What does 24 and 25 say together? It says here, God's first decisive act is in creating before he makes man, he does one thing beforehand. It says here that God brings forth living creatures. This is specifically living creatures on the land. We have seen God create the fish already and he's created the birds. Now he's making the things that live on the land. And he has three distinct categories that the creatures that live on the land are created on day six before man. Look at the first one that he lists here, livestock. You know what that is? It's exactly what it says it is. It is like cows and all horses, those animals that man will use later for food. I'll talk about that in a minute, whether or not they were eating other animals at this point. Uh, but, you know, I think in the flood, in, in Genesis 9-3, you, you are given the command to go ahead and kill and eat animals. I plan on having one for lunch today, right? So it's all, all good with that. 
uh, probably vegetarian, may have been vegetarians before, but livestock are used to help man do their work, right? There's plow horses and all these different things that are put in place. God makes them for that. And my goodness, can I just say, the livestock that God made on day six are amazing. Do any of you all remember years ago, whenever Kmart uh, went in over here off State of Franklin, remember when it was brand new? It's like where Hobby Lobby is now and stuff. The Budweiser Clydesdales came to Johnson City, Tennessee not long after that Kmart opened and the public could come and see these majestic horses. Are, is there any horse people in here? Any of you horse people? Have you been around a Clydesdale before? It's like the king of the horses. They're incredible. I mean, they're, how, how tall is their back? Their back's like up to here. And when they walked around the parking lot at Kmart, it shook the ground. It shook the ground as these eight horses trolloped around all of our cars. I think my little Mitsubishi Eclipse shifted an inch over as those Clydesdales went around it there. Right? And yes, a Mitsubishi Eclipse is a manly car. Thank you. Yes, it is. You and my wife would be in agreement, but I liked it. Another category that is here is beast of the earth. These would be the undomesticated animals that man would find in nature. Things like bears and, uh, yeah, uh, moose, elk, things like that that run wild and free in our forest. Maybe even the smaller ones, little foxes that run around. I know some people have domesticated some foxes, but uh, most of them are wild, right? Most of them remain wild. And then finally, the last category that a lot of the women in particular are probably not happy that God did, but creepy things, things that crawl upon the ground. God makes them on the sixth day before man. I used to have a job that required me to crawl under houses in crawl spaces. And I don't know if you know much about crawl spaces, but um, they're horrible. They're just horrible places. Uh, there's not a lot of room to move. Uh, you know, in Lynn Valley, most of your homes here are on crawl spaces. When I, when I worked in cabling, I was a cable guy for a little while. No sleeves and all, right? I thought that would land. I guess not. None of you have seen Larry the Cable Guy with no sleeves? Oh, why they give me these uniforms with sleeves on it, knowing dang well I ain't going to use them, right? I'd crawl up under these houses. I would tell my wife, I was like, I'm pretty sure I've got houses today that are going to have crawl spaces. If I run into a snake, because that's the creepy crawly category here, one of us is not making it out of the crawl space alive. It's to be determined which one won't make it out, but if we run into each other, one of us will not make it out alive. Thankfully, I didn't run into any. Little crawly things like crickets get into crawl spaces, field mice follow them, and slithery things follow field mice, okay? That's how that works. They all live in crawl spaces. Anyhow, fun story. We lived in Indiana. We lived in an area that was surrounded by fields in the back. And every fall, they would, you know, plow the field up and cut the, or excuse me, cut the grass down. When they did that, all the little field mice were exposed to the birds of the air that were made, you know, day five. That's like their buffet time is whenever they cut the grass down to make hay in Indiana. And mice would like seek refuge wherever they could. And uh, on Tom Evans Road there in Greenville, Indiana, our house was a safe haven from hawks and owls and all other things. So the mice would all, we would have like, 
it almost felt like a zombie invasion of, of mice. You know what I mean? Like just this invasion from every angle. The first year it happened, we were sitting in our living rooms, letting our brains ooze out of our ears after a long day. And then we're watching TV together, some show we watched there. And a mouse ran across the floor. And Becky, ah, she screams, there's a mouse. It's like, yeah. And I kind of got a little amusement out of it because, you know, what? I mean, what can you do in the moment that you see a mouse? I mean, you know. And then she said, well, get up and get it and catch it. And I was like, I'm really flattered that you think I'm fast enough to catch a field mouse. I mean, I am, truly. But uh, tell you what I'll do. I'll exercise my dominion that's given here on day six by, setting, by using a, a, a spring and peanut butter and a mouse trap, and I'll catch it. And I ended up killing like 20 mice that year in the house. Yeah, so anyway. If you see one, I guess the point of this is if you see one, there's probably more, right? There's probably more. Little creepy things are made there on the sixth day before God. Notice what it says here. If you're a highlighter, verse 25, it says the beasts of the earth according to their, it says kinds, livestock according to their, highlight this, kinds, and then the, everything that creeps on the ground according to its what? Uh, kinds. Okay, you're seeing a repetition there. Of a, of a word choice. This is not by accident. Uh, Moses is denoting this for a reason. All right, let's, let's move on to the next verse. Verse 26. This one's so good that, you know, I know we've already heard it and we've already seen it here, but I, I want us to actually read these words together here because there, there's a lot of important things happening in verse 26 here. Uh, verse 26 we learn about our first parents here. I'm gonna, we're going to read it, then I'm going to kind of unpack it. Verse 26, then let's read it together. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. We're going to stop right there. We need to unpack all of this because in those, let us make man in our image after our likeness, in those about, what, nine words or so, there's a lot of important things happening. First of all, the pronoun that is used. Let us make man in our image. I'm going to go ahead and get the giant elephant out of the room first. Of course Moses would not have had a Trinitarian understanding of God at this juncture in Scripture, nor would his readers whenever this was written. But we see here God revealing Himself to Moses and instructing him and telling him what he is truly like. Now, I will also say this, Jesus talks about Abraham in the New Testament. And what does he say about Abraham? Abraham longed to see my day and beheld it from afar. So what I think Jesus is telling us is that while the Old Testament saints did not quite have the full revelation that we do as we look back on passages like this of the New Testament, they did understand more than we probably give them credit for. Does that make sense? Um, Remember what B.B. Warfield said. I, I gave this to you in a sermon several weeks back. The Old Testament is like a castle in a castle room finely adorned with all kinds of beautiful, magnificent furniture, but it's dimly lit 
Okay, so, and the New Testament flips the light switch on. It doesn't add anything to what is already there in the text of the Old Testament, but it makes clearer what's actually there in the Old Testament. So when we see this in the plural in verse 26, let us, our minds must immediately go over to uh, Philippians where it says, all things that were made were made by Him and through Him, for His glory. And who is the Him there? It's, of course, Jesus Christ in the Trinity and the Godhead. Our minds must go here when we see this plural to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all that was made was made by the Word, right? So we have the light flipped on here, and we see that right here, verse 26, Jesus Christ... The Godhead and the Holy Spirit are having an inter-Trinitarian discussion in the creation. Do you see that this morning? This is, the, this is the view and understanding that the early church fathers held, and this is the view and the understanding that the reformers held, right? That this is a Trinitarian passage. And it says here, make man in our what? Image after our likeness. All right couple things here. Lots of ink is spilt on what this means, this distinction between image and likeness. Some have said and argued that it's interchangeable, that likeness is just another term for image, and image is another term for likeness. I don't know that that's accurate. I think there is a reason for the comma and the distinction with image, and this is what I think the distinction is. In the ancient Near East world, remember what I told you, he's writing at a time when other narratives from the Canaanites and all these other nations that surround him have competing creation narratives. Would it surprise you to know that the pagans that surrounded Israel and Moses did actually believe that there were people created in the image of their false gods? But guess what? Got bad news for the ladies. <laughs> Generally speaking, the only people that were created in the image of those false gods were number one, kings, kings of those nations, and number two, men. So women were just kind of left out. Women were never made in the image of the pagan king, gods that surrounded Israel. Ladies, have you ever noticed when theology gets off how bad it ends up for women in these cults and paganism? It always ends up poorly for women whenever theology gets off the tracks. That's just a personal observation here, okay? So, here's what I think is happening in the text. This is what theologians call, this first part here, the imago Dei. It's a Latin word that means made in the image of God. And there are a lot of implications and applications of that, okay? And then I think the comma there, after our likeness, is a designation of specifically what that means. So, you're made in the image of God, in the fact that you have, you know, kind of almost Trinitarian, some would argue Trinitarian substance, uh, mind, body, soul, right? Some have argued for that. That's part of the Imago Dei, that you are created with destiny, that you are created to be little creators, right? I mean, think about this. Zach got on stage this morning. Look at this. Can I pick this up, Zach? I won't. Sure, I'll drop it. Look at this thing. Zach and I were having lunch and we were discussing this. At some point in human history, somebody said, you know what would be really cool? If we took a wooden thing and then we took some stringy things 
and we stretched them over the wooden thing and then we plucked them in a succinct way. And then if we like did it in a certain rhythm, I think everybody will like what comes out of it. Right? You know, like, can you imagine that conversation? And then somebody else said, you know what? I like that a lot, but let's do this. Let's not just make a wooden thing with stringies on it that size. Let's make a bigger one. Let's make a bigger one, and we'll kind of get some more stringy things on, a, on, a, on like a limb, and then we'll move it across this way, and I'll move my fingers on the stringy things, and that'll make something that everybody will like too. And then somebody else said, well, let's make one even bigger. And we'll get some like ivory things off of, uh, off of the elephants and we'll get hammers and they'll smack the little stringy things and then everybody will like that too. And somebody, like, somebody at some point in human history came up with all that. Isn't that amazing? Like we can create. We are creators. It's not one way we're like the image of God. Some of you can think. We can all think, you know. Last time I checked, this is one of the things that designates us and makes us different than the animal kingdom and the other beasts of the field. Have you ever observed cows? They're really, really dumb. Really dumb. Yeah, they don't even get it when they're in oncoming traffic that they're in danger dumb, right? They don't have the capacity to think. Some of you in here can build and even a smaller number of you can build things that are straight, right? All these things are made, how we're made in the image of God. Our capacity to love, our capacity to reason. Now, I'm, I'm going to say something. I might upset some of you, but I'm, I'm just telling you what's in this verse, okay? Listen. Of all created order that you can see and touch and smell and can sit in your lap or you can run away for so it won't sit in your lap, whatever category it falls in, the only created thing that's made in the image of God are human beings. Now, the word man here, ladies, don't be offended by that. In Hebrew, that is the word Adam. That means mankind as a whole. So men and women are collectively mentioned here in the word man. When you see that word man, that word Adam is really interchangeable in English with the word mankind, okay, or humankind, right? It's the same thing. So there's an elevated here. I hope you see this this morning, ladies. This is good news. This verse is good news for you, right? Because in, in this theology, in this revelation, you have a likeness plane that you share with men that is the same in the image of God. You're made in the same Imago Dei as men. I'm going to talk more about that in just a second. But now, back to the image and likeness. Now, the designation of likeness. Likeness, I think, means this. The comma with the likeness means you're made in the image of God. You are corporeal flesh and blood reminders of, of what God is like. But you are not God. You're not. You're a creature. You're the highest of the created order. You sit higher than the Clydesdales. You sit higher than the bears, higher than all those things. But you're not God, and you cannot ascend to Godhood. Despite what Mormons tell you, and that's what Mormons teach, that you can become a God. Again, bad theology, 
the ladies end up getting the short end of the stick to Mormon theology. <laughs> Mormon theology, it's really appealing for men, particularly white men. That's a whole other discussion. You can ascend, get your own planet, according to the theology, and you can procreate and make a new planet like, you know, in obedience to teachings from the Mormon Jesus, who's not the Jesus of the New Testament. It's an adjusted Jesus to fit their theology. Genesis 1.26, the comma after our likeness, stands in sharp contrast with that concept. You see that? All right. All right, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over the creeping things that crawl on the earth. This is real straightforward. It means exactly what it says. That is, man has been given dominion in charge of. This is one of the ways we're like God. We have a dominion, a sovereignty over the created order. There's, there's two kind of ditches that people can get into here, right? One ditch is that you can be a bad steward of creation. So all the created order is given to you, the livestock, the environment, and all these different things, they're all gifts from God and they're to be managed and stewarded well by God's people. The other ditch is this. Creation should never be elevated over mankind to where my, mankind is put in a hurt position because of creation. All right? Let me see if I can make this more clear. In our current culture, there is a big push by environmentalists on building, on transportation, and multiple areas of our lives. There are alarmists in this generation who tell us that the oceans are going to rise by 10 feet in 20 years and that we need to make these radical changes on carbon footprints and on and on the list goes. I don't have to rehash all this. You've heard all this, okay? Let me tell you a couple of observations from my own lifetime. First of all, how many of you are old enough to remember when they said the ozone was disappearing? The ozone layer. Raise your hand. How's the ozone doing today? It's fine, right? It all is. Remember, they, remember hey, do y'all remember the commercials on TV? Don't use your aerosol cans. You're killing the ozone. You can't use your aerosol cans. You're killing the ozone. All of a sudden, the Lord fixes it. And how many of y'all are still using aerosol cans, by the way? Who actually stopped? See, now, let me, let me give you one other point of why I think a lot of this global warming stuff is not right. Let me just say, I don't trust banks. Not 100%, okay? Particularly, I don't trust the Federal Reserve, but that's a whole other discussion. Uh, but here's one thing I trust about all banks. There's one universal truth of every banker that I do trust. And you know what that universal truth is? It's this. Every banker who is wealthy acts in their own self-interest. Would you agree with that? Would you agree every banker is most concerned about their own assets and their own self-interest and making money for themselves? So we all agree with that, right? So we don't trust bankers, but we trust that they're all about themselves, right? I think that's pretty clear. If Al Gore and company are right and the oceans rise by 10 feet... London, most of Florida, and almost the entirety of the eastern seaboard and the major cities that are there are underwater. New Orleans is gone. <laughs> Been gone. You know, they're already under, under the sea level. Another 10 feet will do them in for sure. And the banks are still giving loans in New Orleans and in Florida and on the eastern seaboard and in London for 30 and 40 years. Now, why would a bank 
Have you ever had a loan from Eastman Credit Union? You ever had to jump through those loops? You don't think they're doing their homework on the piece of property you're buying to make sure that they're not putting money into a bad situation? The banks know it's all a bunch of malarkey, right? They know it is. They're loaning money for it. All right, anyhow. Okay, enough of that for now. Verse 27, I got to get to at least that because that's where we got to in the last one. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, if you'll notice something that's very interesting here, that verse is not in block form from the rest of the, the scripture we've looked at so far. And the reason is because you can't see this in English, but in Hebrew you can. This is actually the first poem in the Bible. This is the first poem in the Bible. Okay, This verse is the first poem. And what is the first poem in the Bible about? It's about the creation of man. It's about the Imago Dei. And notice what it says here. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Now, remember when I said, take out a highlighter, underliner, it says here, He created the, the livestock after their what? Kind. He creates the beast of the field after their what? Kind. He creates the creepy crawly things after their kind. And we go back to the day before, He made the birds of the air after their he makes the, the sea animals after their... He makes man after what in this verse? It doesn't say kind, does it? What's it say? His image. Don't tell me your dog or your cat is a person. According to Genesis 26 and 27, your animals are not your children, and they are not people. Now, I'm rooting for them, and I think they're going to be in heaven, but I have my doubts that Oreo's going to make the cut in eternity from when I was in fifth grade. I have my doubts. Because of this verse, we're unique, and there's an eternal component that we have that the rest of all creatures don't have. Okay? Don't be mad at me. Now, let me make another observation here. The image of God we created. Ladies, look here. Male and female. Verse 27 clarifies what mankind means, what Adam means. Male and female, He created them. I am so thankful for females. Particularly one female, Becky Tyler, and my lovely daughter, Adeline, right? But Becky above all, right? And then my daughter, mother, all the rest of the ladies fall in line after that, right? But let, let me ask you something, men. Could you imagine a world where there are no females? There would be socks and underwear just laying everywhere. There would be, we would be worshiping in basically the equivalency of boxes with rocks to sit on, right? It would be brutal to live in an environment like that. Brutal. There would be no aesthetically pleasing beauty and what was created for the most part, with a rare few exceptions, right? It would be all about functionality and form, right? Wouldn't it, guys? You know I'm right. Now, ladies, indulge me for just a moment. What if you lived in a world where there were no men? There were no males? There wouldn't be a single train run on time ever. You know I'm right. You know I am. God made us 
with gender as a gift. He made us to need each other. And what we contribute to one another images who he is in his trinity. It is a beautiful gift that God has given. And right now, Satan is trying to twist that thing around and put us at war in a way God never intended. Okay? So ladies, you do a whole lot better under biblical theology than you do under cult theology, don't you? Right? A whole lot better. All right. I kind of have to stop here, land the plane here for now. Remember, we're going to get part two of this where I'll finish this text. I I told you I'd give you one quick application, and I I just want to do this. A couple critical observations here in application, and that's simply this. Um, We're made in the image and likeness human beings are, and because of that, because of these two verses we were finishing on today, human beings... All human beings have dignity and value. Okay? All human beings have dignity and value. Evolutionary theory actually does nothing more than devalue human life. Because in the evolutionary theory, a rat is a pig, is a boy, is a dog. They're all the same. We have people today like Richard Dawkins, who I would argue is going certifiably insane, who argues that it is immoral to allow Down syndrome babies to be born. That should enrage us as Christians to hear that kind of talk. Let me ask you something. I told you what verses 26 and 27 mean about the Imago Dei and the image, just part of it. I could have spent a whole other sermon on the Imago Dei. But did it say anywhere, comma, But those children whose chromosomes may differ from the majority of children should not, are not image bearers. Did it say that anywhere in the text? Absolutely not. Or Peter Singer, who is a radically leftist atheist who has spent his entire career in the academy, says now that we should let a mother have a child and give that mother and father three months, particularly the mother, three months to decide if she wants to keep it. And what he means by keep it is not give that child up for adoption, but kill the baby. We should be enraged by these things. They're image bearers. Normal people don't think this way. Only people who spend a lifetime in a leftist academic camp say things like this. Right? It's satanic. It is purely satanic to destroy image bearers and have discussion of destroying image bearers nonchalantly. All human beings are made in the image of God from a little baby who cries and takes their first breath to the 94-year-old member, Don Ross, who's right up the street here, who can't walk anymore. And because of that, they should be treated with a level of dignity And it should be God's determination on the day they're called home. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the text that we have seen today. Lord, we know we are not, we are not gods. Although we many times worship ourselves as if we were. But we are made in your image. Lord, the truth that is here in this text, we cannot 
We cannot run away from the fact that you have stamped who you are all over us and how we think, love, reason, create, and, and how we seek after a purpose and destiny. Lord, dogs and cats don't seek these things, only those who bear your image and stamp. Some of us are running from it, but now, how, no matter how far we run, there is an inescapable reality from these verses that we are made in your image. Lord, if there's any here today who are, who's running from that, who has not embraced this, won't you turn them to yourselves? Won't you draw them now? Save our soul, Lord, as only you can. We love you and we praise you for this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning you've heard the gospel preached. You have seen Christ even here in the Old Testament as the New Testament turns the light on. You have seen how it's really the opposite of those fables of old about kings being made in the image of God, but rather God became a man and died for your sin so that you may have eternal peace and fellowship with him. If you've never accepted that, you don't know this creator God, won't you do that now? I'll be in the back to receive you as we sing in response to the word of God preached. Please stand.